Hello, everybody. Welcome to 12 Days of the Comic Source Presents Bad Idea. We're here to talk about the final book that was amongst the first five released, kind of the first wave of Bad Idea. It's The Lot. This is uh, definitely a, a horror title, if you will, not for the, the faint of heart. It's written by Marguerite Bennett. Uh, the art is uh, absolutely amazing. Rocky and I were just talking about it before we started recording. Um, the debate um, or conversation, I guess you'd say, on if it works in black and white, would it work better in color? Uh, I know there was some discussion amongst uh, Bad Idea themselves on if they wanted to do uh, it in color, if they wanted to do it in black and white. The artist is Renato Guides, um, and he's actually relatively fast. He digitally paints things, and he had done some stuff for um, Valiant toward the end of their run. Obviously, a lot of the bad idea brass had come from uh, from Valiant. Uh, ultimately, they went with uh, a black and white ink wash, um, and it really works. It helps to set the mood and the tone, especially we get into the story. We'll talk about how it's kind of a little bit old Hollywood or what have you. But there's also part of me that thinks, man, some of these scenes, you could have really had some powerful impact with the color. But the danger you have with doing it colored is if the – and this happens so often with horror books, right – because it tends to be darker palettes, you know, a lot of blacks and browns and grays, dark blues, dark greens, what have you, the art can be kind of muddy. Uh, and then you lose any impact at all from the art. So I think ultimately that's, they, they probably made the right choice going uh, with black and white. But um, if you're familiar with Marguerite Bennett's work, she's done, you know, other horror type titles before one of her most uh, successful creator owned series animosity over at uh, that publisher that shall not be named was a little bit of a take on post-apocalyptic, a little bit of horror themes or what have you. Um, but this draws a lot of things, uh, draws the story draws on a lot of things that, um, that Marguerite's probably uniquely suited to, to talk about. We talk about, you know, trying to break into Hollywood as a writer. We're talking about being a woman amongst uh, that world, you know, very much a man's world. I mean, we all know with the Me Too movement and what have you. Um, a little bit of backlash uh, and a little bit of justice served for, you know, women in that world who'd been, you know, mistreated for decades upon decades. And this story touches on uh, a lot of that as well. So um, I think Rocky, I think you actually enjoyed it more than, than myself. I don't always uh, enjoy horror. I wouldn't say it's my favorite genre. This is a very good story though, but give us your thoughts. And uh, I know you said it, you really, really enjoyed it. So what made it so, you know, why did it work so well for you? Uh, well, Straight up because of the story. You know, often I find with horror stories, I often find that a lot of the story, a lot of horror stories sometimes focus, <laughs> they try to focus just on the horror itself, the blood and the gore and what have you. And the central conceit is uh, just find new ways to do something horrific. What, what I really enjoyed about this was just that it was genuinely a character-based story. And the, the horrors emanate from the characters themselves and what the characters themselves basically wish for. And uh, that's what I find, you know, and, you know, that's, uh, it's true horror. I mean, we're, there's that old expression, we're all the author of our own misfortune. And there's nothing more terrible than fates that we call into, that we, we call forth our own fates in our own way. And in this case, uh, you know, when you think of Hollywood, you think of, uh, you know, you think of, uh, well, Margaret uh, Bennett, the writer here, uses old Hollywood intermixed with new Hollywood and and it's told through a character named Aviva Copeland who ends up working for uh, Cloverleaf Studios and they have this old abandoned lot and it's Aviva's job to essentially 
help the studio make money again and sort of revitalize the studio a little bit. So she goes and reviews the books and she discovers that there's this abandoned lot that uh, she wants to try to make the most out of. And, uh, and she, she doesn't understand why this lot's closed down because she figures, well, it could be used. We could use this. I mean, it's, it's, why why has this thing been abandoned when, when it's a, it's a, it's a potential source for revenue and what have you and essentially it's through the investigation of this lot and looking at its history that it's got a pretty there's there's a lot of there's a lot of deaths uh, surrounding this this lot and ultimately what's discovered is that uh, the the central element is this there's this demon god demon god called the binder that Back in the day, this um, this director by the name of Oliver Larson wanted to make a movie, and he wanted to make the ultimate horror movie. And so he went and he looked. He tried to find actual real life demons or cults, and he ended up making a deal with this demon god called a binder, and he uh, on on this Hollywood lot, and and this is back in the in the forties or fifties, and. It consists around five characters made a deal with this demon god uh, named Ethan. Uh, the, there's a Ethan who's a writer. Lillian, well, Lillian was a was a, a producer. Gordon uh, was a producer. Uh, this the guy named Bruce was an actor, and then there was Oliver himself. And basically, the deal made is that they can get whatever they wish for. Their wish can be granted, but they have to pay a price. Uh, they they have to pay a price in love or in blood. And ultimately what happens is that everyone on the, on the lot had to do that, had to make a deal with, with, with the demon God. And, and ultimately everyone on the lot ended up paying the ultimate price, except for these five people, Ethan Lillian, uh, Gordon, Bruce, and Oliver managed to survive. And the reason why they managed to survive over decades in Hollywood, they closed down the lot is that the binder this binder god, demon god, couldn't get to them in order to make them pay their price in love or in blood because they managed to very cleverly make it so that the, the price paid, if you had to, if the price you paid in order to be rich and famous, if the price you paid to be the best actor or the best writer, if the price you paid have to be, you have to give up something you love, well, they, they would do that. They, uh, and, and that's where the horror comes in with these individual characters, like what they gave up, they they intentionally sacrificed their, the one, uh, director sacrificed his own daughter. The one producer sacrificed his own son, all for the power and the love. And, and there's a, it's, it's, there's a horror element to that. And what I, what I particularly like is how, how it comes through, in the end, and, and there, this is through four issues, I, I love how through it all you imagine this demon god, this binder being this, or binder, binder, uh, being this this horrible creature, and yet this this creature is actually just fulfilling the contract. That was the deal that was made. You, you made the deal, and uh, they're just fulfilling it. And this Aviva Copeland is really the true hero of this story. She actually sets out initially because she wants to help these acts. She wants to help Ethan, Lillian, Gordon, Bruce, and Oliver. She wants to help them, but they're all corrupted. They're all, they've all become sort of corrupted by the deal that they made. And ultimately at the end, it's Aviva herself that ends up making a sacrifice and a deal, uh, a deal of her own making with the demon God that ultimately leads to, to, uh, uh, well, uh, 
a very dark ending, but one that is very appropriate for the story. And it's almost like I don't even want to ruin it. It's it's that I, I didn't see the ending coming. It caught me off guard. I thought it was uh, quite good and great way to build suspense. It it felt like a it felt like a three a three act movie. It really did. And I particularly loved the third act, <laughs> which was in the final issue. I thought it was very well. So uh, character work was just fantastic. The art is just. I mean, the art is excellent. I, 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 the, the black and white didn't bother me at all. Uh, I, the covers are fantastic. I don't own physical copies. I just seen, co uh, you know, the covers. Each individual cover has one of the characters. The first cover one has Aviva Copeland on the cover, and I believe the other three covers have um, uh, either. I think one of them has well some of the other characters that I mentioned on on the other covers themselves, but. In any event, just just a beautiful. It, it looks beautiful. The covers. I wish I can't. I want to own this physical Wendy. Maybe I'll have to try to pick them up at a comic con if I can find them. But I really thought that this, as a horror story, this had a really great story, great character work. And I'll, I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever read anything by Margaret Bennett better than this. To be honest, I don't. I. I, I this is her best writing that I've ever read of her so far. To be quite honest, and and I and I've read some of her animosity, but I think I enjoy this more than that. So I don't know what you think. Yeah, I would say this is probably the best thing that she's written. The thing that I enjoy the most. I mean, her insect series uh, over at Aftershock was good. Her, some of her DC work is very, very good. I don't know what she's doing right now. Uh, to be honest, she hasn't written anything that, that I know of in a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. The story's uh, it's so visceral. Um, and you're right. The covers are amazing as well. Also by Renato Guedes. You mentioned Aviva on the, the first cover. Second cover has Oliver, the director. Third cover has Lillian, the executive. Uh, there was a producer on the movie that uh, eventually gives uh, Aviva the job. So Lillian's an executive for the the parent company, as it were, um, that Cloverleaf Studio, Studios is owned by. And so she kind of gives uh, uh, Aviva the, the shot. And then the last cover is uh, Aviva's friend, Jaya, who's uh, an actress who uh, whose parents are very famous Bollywood actors. Um so yeah, there's a lot to like about the series. Uh, you know, yeah, the 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 deal that these uh, people made with the binder, with the the demons, uh, the, you know, the cult, and the idea of it being a contract, and and the contract details being binding, like all, all of that is really uh, intriguing, and it makes it work. But for me, when the series really came together, it was in the second. Is it the second issue? Maybe it's the third issue. Uh, yeah, the third issue when. Uh, you know, after uh, Aviva and her and her friends discover, uh, you know, they talk to the director Oliver. They 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 find out what happened at the lot. They find out about all, all the innocent people that were um, that were killed and uh, kind of the d depravity and um, greed and sort of self interested take that so many of the uh, people that survived. Uh, you know, they survived because they were selfish, because they were willing to sacrifice loved ones or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, when that's discovered by these five and they, they decide that they're going to try to stop it, because the fear that Aviva has is that uh, once the binder is able to, for lack of a better term, exact revenge on uh, or, or fulfill the contracts and, and take the lives of these five, that then it'll be free to be unleashed upon the world. Um, and, and they're worried about other innocents um, suffering. They're not that concerned about the five. Um, Aviva is willing to save them, but 
uh, you know, not at the expense of any more innocent lives. And so when she goes back to the lot after, you know, all this has been discovered and she confronts the binder and she, she wants to know, you know, where do you come from? Uh, you know, who, who is your boss? Like who's funding this? Like why, you know, why are you doing this? We understand that it was a, some sort of a cult that, you know, summoned you or whatever, but there's gotta be somebody, you know, behind it. Like who, who do you work for? Who do you worship? Who's calling the shots? Who's the boss basically. And the binder says, uh, he talks about dreams. He talks about sacrifice and he talks about story, right? The, the, you know, everything that I am comes from the places where stories are told from where, uh, things that seem impossible become reality. Um, and it's so meta, right? Cause you're, you're reading a story. This isn't actually true. This is fiction, but it's a fiction that is talking about the way other things work, right? Like the, the, the stories that were told, I mean, Oliver, the director, his, his wish may be the most profound, you know, I want to be the best storyteller. I want to be the best filmmaker that ever was, you know? And he, t he talks about how he can justify the sacrifice of his daughter, when Aviva goes and asks him, he's like, well, because I've, you know, I, I gave up one innocent life, you know, one, uh, my, you know, my daughter was sickly and yeah, I cared about her, but she had leukemia. It wasn't any kind of life. She was going to suffer, what have you. But I made all these movies that people will remember forever. And it's, I've, you know, affected millions of lives. And, you know, that's how he's justified it. And this is the story that's being told. This is a story that Marguerite is talking about. Um, and Oliver is sort of that, that voice that, that, gives it um, the gives story weight, right? Like he's our, our character that's saying how important stories are. And I, I say it all the time, right? How you can really judge what uh, a particular society or group of people judges as important by looking at the make-believe, looking at the fictions they create. If something, uh, a, a particular event or a particular uh, idea or whatever it is, is important enough for them to make up a story to um, to pass along that knowledge or to honor that knowledge or examine that idea or that theme or that theory or whatever it is, then you know that that's something that's important to that society because they've, they've taken the time to create something that is, um, you know, that examines that idea. They've taken the time to create a story, uh, you know, around it. So when you talk about this binder and him saying, yeah, uh, you know, I, my power comes from the idea of story. Um, from the idea of what we're willing to sacrifice from story and, and create and imagine. Um, and he's like, the, these are just places where stories are, are told, but in the end, it's people that, uh, that wanted to create something that was more important to them than, than their actual reality. Right. And in that way, stories meant more to them than life itself. Stories meant more than actual reality, more than what was actually happening. It meant more than people. You know, certainly that's the case for Oliver, right? When he talks about his daughter, um, the, the idea of story and the stories that he's going to create are, are more important to him than his daughter's life. Uh, so for me, that's when the story really clicked into place. And you're right about the ending. Uh, when you get to the end of the third uh, issue, I sort of felt like, uh, well, that could have been the end of the story, right? Uh, but it turns out there's more... Uh, to the story, there's a fourth chapter that's almost like an epilogue in a lot of ways that really, um, in a sense, gave it uh, a feeling of justice, if you know what I'm saying. I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much uh, without that final issue where 
um, some of the some of the characters, for lack of a better term, get uh, a comeuppance. You know, they get what's coming to them, a yeah. uh, sense of justice, if you will. So I didn't mind that um, at all. I thought that was uh, yeah, and the, I thought it end. was I thought it was interesting how uh, all the all the people that made those contracts and those deals they were so concerned about their story and they could write their own story, but with a sacrifice. So they sacrificed people that they loved so that they could write their own story of their lives. And yet Aviva at the end chooses to re rewrite the, their ending. She, see, she's the ending. She's a, she, she gives them the consequence. And so that's just, isn't that interesting how some of the best stories have surprise endings? Well, Aviva is the surprise ending to the people that got to, that forced their own story at the sacrifice of others. And so, and they got their comeuppance in the form of a, of a very bad ending for themselves, thanks to Aviva. So I thought there was even some poetry in the way it ended in that, in that respect. Yeah, I mean, and it just goes to show that everybody or there's a, there's that whole idea and debate like the last word is the most powerful, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Aviva ends up with the last word. You know, she ends up with the last word. So yeah, you can be as important as you want when you're writing your story, but whoever whoever writes the last story uh, really is the one that gets to to have the most influence because everything else after the you know that came before can be rewritten. So. Uh, yeah, this is a, an amazing story. If you're a fan of horror, definitely recommend it. Um, the Renato Guedes art, like I said, is is absolutely amazing. In terms of um, the backups, the B-sides, I just want to mention them uh, real quick. The first one uh, in, in issue one is called Reverse Art Thief. Matt Kent is the writer. Doug Braithwaite, incredible art. Basically tells this uh, story very quickly of a guy who goes around and he steals art from people who they themselves have stolen it, right? Like in the story that we get in here, um, the, there's a very rich person that has some art that was stolen by the Nazis that should be returned to its rightful owner. That's what the guy does. Um, in the second one, we get this. It's a weird one. Peter Milligan is the writer, so it makes sense. It would be weird. Sarah, Sarah Barini is the artist. It's called Monster in My Life. Um Oh, sorry, that's actually an issue number three. Uh, but anyway, it, it tells a story about a, a, um, a son and daughter who are very close because their parents are alcoholics and abusive. And the son turns into an insect. We don't know why, but it just does. Uh, but he just does. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Uh, the second one might be my favorite. It fits into the whole hero trade story. Uh, it's called Sink Jet. So Matt Kent and David Lapham who do a lot of the hero trade. And it's this, uh, this group, I, I guess you could kind of compared to like the Fantastic Four. Well, their uh, mechanic who works on all their equipment, he's kind of an alcoholic and uh, they don't want to put up with it anymore. He gets drunk and goes like on a three-day blackout drinking binge. And when he comes to, they basically fire him. And so uh, he's kind of disgruntled. And so he decides he's going to try to find a way to, um, to, to make some money. So he goes to their, you know, quote unquote junkyard and he steals this quantum radio that lets him hear a radio broadcast from a, a year in the future. Uh, so he's able to like play the stock market and stuff like that. That one's really interesting. And it feels like there could be a lot more to that story. And then in, uh, in issue four, uh, the final backup that we have or final uh, B side. And uh, I mentioned it when we talked uh, in the other episode today, it's that mission go tankers story. The, they gave out uh, a colorized version of this as an exclusive at New York Comic Con this year. Bad idea did, uh, but this is the black and white version that came out first, and it's a prequel to the tanker series that we uh, that we talked about on a, a previous episode of uh, Twelve Days of the Comic Stars Presents Bad Idea. So 
definitely enjoyed that uh, as well. And I mentioned in the other episode, I'll mention it here. Robin Venditti uh, would love to do more tankers. We may see more tankers um, at some point. I sure hope that we do. And I also hope that you all listen to our, our other episode that came out today about Hank Howard, uh, Pizza Detective, which is probably my favorite thing, uh, favorite Matt. <laughs> Uh, or Robert Venditti's story, because um, it's just so amazing how seriously the guy takes himself. It's hilarious. Uh, and I, I hopefully we get more of that as well. So uh, I don't know if you read any of the backups, Rocky, but anything to add uh, as we're winding down here? Uh, well, I, I enjoyed Tankers, the Tankers backup. I, I, Tankers is probably one of my favorite that we've talked about so far. Uh, uh, the lot here is Probably, I'd have to get maybe the lot that we just reviewed here, probably number one, because it's just, I, I, I really like it. Tankers is probably second for me. Uh, but I, I just love the concept in Tankers, and that it's a prequel. And, I, and, you know, a prequel with more blood, guts, and dinosaurs, and humans being, a uh, human being being eaten by dinosaurs. Hey, why not? What's not to like? <laughs> Fun stuff. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. So uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Don't forget, uh, link in the show notes to go and uh, check out the Save Now Kickstarter that's going on right now uh, for Bad Idea. We talked about that. We talked about Save Now. The first time we saw it was in the Hank Howard Pizza Detective one shot that was only a dollar. So if you want to learn more about that, again, be sure you listen to the other episode that comes out today. Don't forget, if you're watching us on YouTube on the Comic Source channel, we appreciate the support. Go ahead and subscribe. But also head over to Rocky's channel on YouTube, Comic Space Boom! Exclamation point. It's where we are every Tuesday to do the DC Spotlight, talk about all the DC books for the week. Well, most of them, uh, almost all of them. Uh, talk about them every week. You can leave comments. Be sure you subscribe, re- ring the notification bell so you don't miss any of the content. Uh, and also, if you want to be sure not to miss any of the other audio-only content that comes out from the Comic Source, because most of the Comic Source episodes are audio-only, just go to whatever platform you uh, enjoy um, managing your podcast on, do a search for the Comic Source and subscribe. So uh, we want to wish everybody happy Christmas, happy holidays. Uh, really hope it's a fun time for you and your family. We appreciate you joining us as always, and we'll see you tomorrow. See you later. <laughs>